Got a couple quick announcements um, to make this morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good, good. So good to see you. Um, wow, flourishing is happening. Ladies, April the 6th. Come on, we can celebrate that. Flourishing is back. I am a flourishing woman. I wish I was a flourishing woman for a couple hours. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about that, and it's going to be great. Make sure you invite some girlfriends um, and come on out and have a good time. It's going to be a great time. Um, uh, Pastor Kyra is actually going to be uh, preaching a couple times around uh, that season there in April. So she's going to be on fire, and God has given her a word for I am flourishing. Uh, we have Easter Egg Drop 3.0 coming up. It's our biggest event of the year. Let's celebrate that. Yeah. <clears throat> the reason we call it 3.0 is because it's three years in a row that we've done it. Last year, we had around 1,500 people in this great county or state come. Uh, this year, we're expecting right at 3,000. And so it's a way for us to get out the love of Jesus and during Easter season. This year, we're going to drop 20,000 eggs from a helicopter. They've moved us from a park to Agricultural History Farm Park. It's a huge farm here in Durwood, about six or seven minutes up the road. And uh, it's going to be a great time. Face painting and, 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 and food and bounce houses and prizes and all this stuff. It's going to be a great time. Um, and we already have people who are asking about the event. Are we going to do it this year? So um, we're definitely going to do it. I asked that you would sign up to serve for the event. Uh, last year, we had 80 people, 80 superheroes who signed up this year. I'm believing for 100 plus. So please sign up after church today to host this great event. Let's get the good news of Jesus out. Um, that next day is Highlight Easter. We can celebrate that. It is Highlight Easter that next Sunday. Come on, come on, come on. It is um, it's Resurrection Sunday. If the resurrection did not occur, um, you're wasting your time being here. You should be at lunch. But if the resurrection, in fact, did occur, um, we are on the right team. And so... Uh, April 21st, um, well, 9.15 and 11 for now. I may adjust that, but just uh, keep your ears out. Um, we're praying about a third service, but I, 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 don't, I don't know if we're going to do that. But definitely April 21st. Um, invite friends. They say eight out of ten of your friends, if you have that many, um, would say yes to coming to church between Easter and Christmas. So please, the time to invite is now. Now, 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 and I'll be sure to behave, and um, I'll be formal. And so um, that's exciting. All right, let's get into the Word of God. Join me in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and it says this here. These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Uh, Jeremiah was raised in a family of priests. Priests offered sacrifices to God. They stood between God and the people, and so um, priests were pretty cool people. Uh, Anathoth was a few miles outside of Jerusalem. You could see the walls of the capital city, um, and so he had a good view of what was going on in the nation. And so, verse 2, the Lord first gave messages to Jeremiah during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Josiah was actually... Um, uh, one of the good kings that Israel had. Israel had a lot of evil kings. Judah, also a part of Israel, but a southern portion of Israel had a lot of good and evil kings. Josiah was a good king. He started out as king at the age of eight years old. And um, he, set to, he set out to bring the people of God back to the word of God and to bring them to repentance. Israel was in a constant state of, we love God, we don't love God, we want to follow God, we don't want to follow God. 
And so Josiah was someone who was trying to point them back to the word of God during his reign. And this is when God started to speak to the prophet Jeremiah. A lot of times there would be a king and a prophet in place, and God would try to reveal his will and lead the people through those two individuals. And so Jeremiah, uh, historians believe that Jeremiah is probably 17. So what kind of ship is God running here? You know, you got an eight-year-old king and you got a 17-year-old dude prophesying and, and, and talking to this kid. And so um, verse 3 says this, the Lord's messages continued, so they got older, um, throughout the reign of King Jehoiakim, uh, Josiah's son, until the 11th year of the reign of Zedekiah. Um, these two kings were uh, Josiah's sons. Their reigns lasted for about nine months. And so, you know, the Bible's kind of zipping through them. And it says this here, uh, in August of that 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. Um, Jeremiah was what the Bible would call the weeping prophet. A prophet is someone who tells us the mind of God. They, they preach the message of God. He was considered the weeping prophet. Give you a few things about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was poor. He was unpopular. He was isolated. He was persecuted. And they nicknamed him the weeping prophet. He wouldn't get many Instagram or Facebook likes today. Uh, it'd be highly doubtful that you would attend someone like Josiah's church because um, he would come and he would say, repent and come to God. Oh, if not, you're going to die. Like that, that was the kind of prophet that he was, but he was a true prophet. We don't prophesy like that anymore because we want our seats to be filled up. Um, <laughs> I am guilty of that. So um, we even zone out. We're like, I don't know if we want to preach that part, God. But so anyway, Jeremiah lived to see the Babylonian invasion. Once again, the people of Israel were unrepentant. So what was happening in the context of this verse is that um, they were being taken away from the promised land. And they're going to be taken to Babylon to be indentured servants. So it was going to go from good to bad. It was going to go from great to bad to worse to, to just terrible. It was going to be terrible, terrible, terrible. He saw the slaughter of his inhabitants. He saw many children die. Many children were sacrificed in the fire. Why? Why all of this is happening? Because the people did not repent. And so God sent forth judgment. And the judgment was, in fact, going to happen. There's nothing that the people could have done at this point in Jeremiah's ministry to stop the judgment from occurring. It speaks of principles. It speaks of how God is a forgiving God. But um, the, the, the thing is, is, is that uh, whenever we do something bad or whenever we sin, essentially we're going to have to pay a price for some of those things. Sin does breed and bring consequences into our lives. But God is still faithful. And he also saw the destruction of the temple. So he saw everything. He saw it from its glory days to its bad days. And verse 4 says this here, Jeremiah 1.4, the Lord gave me this message. And he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. So today I want to bring a message to you entitled, take a good look in the mirror. Take a good look in the mirror. You know, we, we all get into rough spots. We all get into bad spots, be it the result of a, a poor decision or uh, a relationship or uh, a season, whatever. We all get in rough spots, be it our fault, someone else's fault. We all get in bad spots. And oftentimes the result of the bad spot is confusion. There can be feelings of hopelessness um, and even fear get very fearful when we get into a bad spot. Jeremiah, if I can respect the scripture this morning, Jeremiah is in a bad spot. But God chooses to speak to him still, and he says, before I formed you, you were in your mother's womb. I knew you, and I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So you're in a bad spot, but you're bigger than the bad spot that you're in. My first point of encouragement today is, is that you may be in a bad position, but you're the best person to be in that position. And so life kind of works like this. I've heard it said before that life is cyclic, and they say you're either in a storm, 
you've just got out of a storm or you're about to enter into a storm. And so, like, you're, you're the best person for the bad spot. God, God knew you before the bad spot. God knew you before the divorce. God knew you before the loss. God knew you before the addiction. God knew you before the hurt. God knew you before the pain. God knew you before the abandonment. God knew you before the illness. You're the best person to be in that position. The circumstance does not change the truth about who you are or the fact that you're the object of God's affection. So, Jeremiah, I know we've just went from Jerusalem, the promised land, milk and honey, grapes, to Babylon, desert, indentured servitude, slavery, death, lack. I know we just went from real good to real bad, but it doesn't change who you are. Nick Vujicic, man, I love this guy. He, um, he was born with tetraamelia syndrome. He's one of seven people in the world that have this disability. And so when he came out of his mom's womb, I knew you. When he came out of his mother's womb, she, you know, she didn't know what to do. She didn't want to hold him. She didn't want to touch him. She was afraid of her own child. And in the process of time, her husband encouraged her. He said, babe, like, I believe that this is God's plan for our, our kid's life. And so he grew up elementary through middle school uh, being picked on and bullied um, because he, he lacks limbs and he, he doesn't have any hands. He doesn't have any legs. And he has two feet that he himself calls chicken drumsticks. And so um, all throughout elementary and middle school, they picked on him. He, he was bullied and so on and so forth. He, he attempted suicide multiple times. And then his mother, when he was around the age of 15, brought him a story of a young man who was 21 years old with a severe disability. But this 21-year-old man triumphed over his disability. And that gave Nick the faith that he needed to move forward. So Nick started to go to church. And Nick became a part of the youth group. And Nick found faith in Jesus. He found faith in a Savior. He found faith in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He found faith in the one who, when he entrusted himself to the one, he could do the impossible. He put his life into the one. He poured his life out into the one who came and who died for him. And so Nick's attitude and his mindset had began to change. The bad position, he, didn't, he no longer saw it as a bad position, and so he started leading Bible studies. And he started leading prayer groups. And he started leading teenagers and kids to Jesus Christ in his school. And then he went on to double major in college, commerce and finance. Years later, he authored a book called Life Without Limits. I encourage you to buy it. He became a New York Times bestselling author. Now he's an international motivational speaker. And anywhere he goes, he evangelizes and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when, if, if you can look him up, up on YouTube, whenever, so he has this, uh, this device that he, he stands on and he rolls out on. And it puts him right next to his table. And he, he kind of, you know, wobbles on over on his table. And he never has his books on his table when he's presenting. Be it a middle school, be it a Fortune 500 company, be it this, be it that. The only book he has on his table is a Bible. And he encourages people's faith, and he points people to Jesus, and he does things in excellence. And obviously, he's been doing some work because he has two kids. Whenever I first read his story, I'm like, man, how do you have two kids? But that's amazing. You came to Jesus, and with Jesus, all things are possible. So he's been putting in work, but Jesus did Jesus' part. Because when you come to Jesus, all things are possible, but he did his part. But when you come to Jesus, all things are possible, but you got to do your part. Are we still at Highlight Church? Take off your church face. <laughs> Things do get weird around here real fast. I can get weirder. Are we okay? Yeah. He was putting in work. Yeah. All right. And then Jesus came through. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I will not preach to a stale, quiet church. I will retire and leave. I promise I will. You guys, man, help me out. 
beautiful wife, beautiful kids. And I just got the idea that one day he, he grabbed a mirror and he said, you know what, this is a bad, a bad situation. But you knew me before I was born. You chose me. You set me apart. I have a great calling on my life. I was born in Jerusalem, but I was taken over here to Babylon, and you knew me. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta look in the mirror. I don't, I don't know if we look in the mirror enough and speak life over ourselves and speak God's truth and God's promises. And Psalm 139 says this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. This is the psalmist talking about himself, looking at himself and saying, man, I am, ooh, Lord, Jesus, I am, mm. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. God didn't make a mistake when Nick, he didn't make a mistake. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you're still with me. You know, you never know what's going to come in the morning time, right? Like, you don't know what kind of news you're going to get in. You don't know if you're going to get into a car accident. You don't know if the diagnosis is going to come through. You don't know if this person is going to be crazy. You don't know when the phone rings and when you pick it up, what's going to come. You just never know what's going to come your way. So you got to learn how to beat the day when you wake up in the morning. And so for me, I, I declare a few things based on what God told Jeremiah and based on that psalm. Like, I don't know, I can't just read the Bible and close it and leave the presence of God once I've read that and be like, oh, that was a good reading. That was a nice nugget. Now let me look at Theodore Roosevelt quote. Let me look at a, a this quote. No, I got to read that, read that thing. I got to let it simmer. I got to murmur on it. And I got to do some takeaways from it. So I, I like to get up in the morning. I like to beat the day with declarations over my life. And so I, I declare these things like I was created to endure. You know what I mean? Like you get up in the morning, you go to your mirror. Some of y'all don't brush your teeth. The first thing that you do, you just do other things. I'm guilty of that sometimes. But you get in that mirror and you, you know, I tell myself like I was created to endure. I was created to outlast. I was created to advance. I was created to grow, to overcome, to win. Yeah, 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 like I'm in Babylon. But like God put everything in me that I need to overcome. He, he put the neurons and the neurotransmitters and the, the veins and the vessels and the muscles and, 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 and he put it all in me. He put, he put the, the, the blood, he, he, put, he put it all in me. He put the thoughts, he, he gave me his word. He, he gives me a community. He gives me sun outside. He gives me breath. He gives me oxygen. He, he gives me clothing. He gives me food. He gives me shelter. He gives me, he gives me an education. He puts me in a great nation like America. Like I have everything I need. And, and so I guess the thing that I just need to do, even though I feel like I'm in a Babylon season, is I just need to kind of pull out the mirror and I need to just, I need to kind of speak to myself. When fear kind of creeps in, I got to beat the day. I know fear is going to try to keep, creep in at a certain point, but I got to beat the day and I got to step into the mirror. And just I was created to endure. Yeah. I was created to, to outlast. I was created to overcome. I was created to advance. I was created to grow. I was created to win. I was created to prosper. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you would have life and life more abundantly. What, Jesus? I was created to win. I was created to endure. I was created to overcome. I was created to grow. 
I was created. Come on now. I know I'm in Babylon. I know I'm in Babylon. But when I'm with Jesus, there's nothing that can stop me. So you got to beat the day. Are you beating the day? Are we beating the day? Or, or are we logging on to our devices? And we're looking at how great their night was last night and the vacation they took. And are we, are we allowing com- comparison to set in? And what happened over in New Zealand? Jesus Christ, we got to pray. But are we allowing fear to set in? Are, you know, are, we, are we checking the text messages and, 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 and allowing ourselves to be overtaken by the drama and the concerns of people? Or are we saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to cut all that. We're going to beat the day and get in the mirror. Take a good look in the mirror. I knew you. That word there means I was intimate with you. That means that God was in, in heaven like when you were in your mom's womb. He was... Yeah, a little brown, a little tan, round, slim, tall, short, black hair, blonde, blue eyes, brown eyes, black hair, beard. He won't get a beard until he's 50. <laughs> then they were like, then he was like entrepreneur, overcomer, scientist. Um, doctor, pastor, preacher, leader, world changer, prophet to the nations. So he said, Jeremiah, I need you to get in the mirror, man. I, I know it's tough, and I know it's hard, and I know they won't stop, and I know it won't stop, and I know you can't stop. I know you have no control. I know you, I know you don't have any control. I know you don't have any control. But just know you're the best person to be in the bad position. You just need to look in the mirror, beat the day, and things will change. Things will change. Things will change. And this is the crazy part about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was 17, 16, 17, we think, years old. And I do believe that God speaks to us at an early age. And we just, we miss it a lot of times because of the environment of faith that our parents have have created and have set us in sometimes and it's I don't know maybe it's distraction maybe it's the friends we're around I don't know but I believe that even for the 10 the 12 the 11s the 13s the 14s the 17s the 18 year olds I believe that God is calling you right now and he's trying to tell you I formed you you're better than that you have more potential than that you have a great destiny in front of you and I believe he's talking to the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and I believe he's saying you got breath in your lungs there's much more out in front of you. You don't have to stop right here. You don't have to pause right here. You can keep fighting right here. You, you're going to overcome right here. Right here. Right here. And a part of Israel's, oh, Lord, this just dropped in my heart in this moment. A part of Israel's issue was that they were too blessed. They, they had it all. They had the homes, they had the rooms, they had the cars, they had the money. And so as a result, they were more into religion than they were relationship. And so because they were fulfilling rituals, they would go to church, they would sin. And so I can, look, I can come to church, I can sit under this message. But if my heart is not in the room, it does not mean that God can get Jeremiah 1-5 to me. Because I woke up, I got dressed, I came to church, I'm here for an hour and a half, let me go, I'm going to eat lunch. But for 40 minutes, I miss the entire word of God because my, my heart is so bent on a religious thing. I, I put on the right clothes, I sung the songs on the screen, and now I'm good to go. I checked the box. But I wonder why I don't have victory in my life. I wonder why, even though I'm in Babylon, I still don't have peace. I heard the preacher say it. You heard the preacher say it, but was your heart there? I love telling people, man, like, I came to Christ when I was 19 years old. I share that a lot because I'm also trying to talk to the teens in the, in the room. 
You don't, you don't have to be afraid to serve God when you're young. You're not losing when you serve God when you're young. You're not losing when your friends leave you when you're young. You're winning. You're on the right track. In five or six years, they're going to be looking for you to help them, looking for you to guide them, looking for you to point them in the right direction. Jeremiah was 16 or 17 years old when the Lord began to speak to him. I formed you in the womb. I have a great calling on your life. I want to take you places. I want to show you things. I want to connect you with people, big places. I want you to move resources. I want you to move money. I want you to move people. I want you to shift nations. I want you to shift cities. I got something much bigger for you than an eight to five, than a weekend, than a Friday night. I knew you, and I set you apart for something huge in your life. I'm only going to get six people on this. Because it's only about six that got enough faith to understand that you still got breath. And even though you're in Babylon, there's still something big on you. There's something big on you. I get it. It feels small and it's tough and it's hurt and it's painful. But it doesn't negate the truth of the fact that God created you for something greater than where you currently are. I'm going to get about six people on this. You got to start affirming this stuff. No, oh, it ain't. Oh. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with y'all. I'm with y'all. Because that's how you beat the devil. You, you don't withhold the praise. You clap now. You praise now. You believe now. You don't withhold that. Preacher, that, that feels good. No, no. You, you, you affirm it. Yes, in my life. Amen. Whenever you say amen, you says yes. Lord. And what you're saying is yes, Lord. Be it so into my life. You're the best person for the bad position. You got to dream. and You got to have faith. And you got to press on. And you got to get around the right people. You got to elevate your thinking. You got to elevate your mindset. Because God has set you apart for nations, not for two people, not for a neighborhood, not for a house, not for a city, not for a state, not for a region, for nations. For nations. There's something big on the inside of you. So what you got to do? I was created to win. And if that person leaves, I'm still a winner. If that falls through, I'm still a winner. If I lose all my money tomorrow, I'm still a winner. If I get sick tomorrow, I'm still going to advance. I'm still going to grow. I'm still going to fight. I'm still going to push. Because he knew me. And all of my days are written. All of my days. All of them. So be it so. I'm in Babylon, whatever. I need to be in Babylon so the power of God can show up. Because this right here can also be dangerous. Oh, this is good. Oh, yeah. On the beach, chilling. When have we ever grown on the beach? (laughs) Jesus, I want to be more like you, and I want to grow, and I want more wisdom, and I want to advance. But you don't want conflict. You don't want opposition. You don't, want to, you don't want press. You don't want the money to fall out. God, I want a story, and I want to change lives. You don't want a testimony. You don't want a message. Put me right here in Babylon and give me a mirror. Give me a mirror. Because I, I think part of my heart... That um, we're, we're, we're preaching a theology of come to God and you won't suffer. And I'm scared of that as a preacher. Get married and it'll all go away. Tithe. Give your offering. Give your max cap offering. And God, your 2019 will be unlike any other year in your life. <laughs> I've never said that. I said you might lose it all. 
They went from Jerusalem to Babylon. They went from better to worse. But they were still the best person for the situation. When you drop a ball because of the way it was created, if it has air or if it has everything that it needs to have, when you drop a ball, it bounces back. God created you to bounce back. When you stretch a rubber band because of the way it was created, it it stretches. God created you to stretch. He says, I knew you before I formed you. Nick, Nick was not a mistake, but he was a message of the power of God in our lives. He was a message of what's possible when we take a mirror every day. And when we, I don't know why I'm belaboring this point. When we take, because I got like two more pages, but we're not going to finish it. When you take a mirror every day, I was created to win. I was created to endure. I was created to prosper. I was created to grow. I was created to advance. And no matter what circumstance you're in, Babylon or Jerusalem, the truth is is that God created you to win. No matter how many divorces, no matter how many, whatever it is that your thing is, sicknesses or test whatever, whatever your thing is, you were, this is the truth of the matter, is that you were created to grow. You were created to advance. You were created to win. This is not prosperity gospel. Look at the text. They were taken captive to Babylon. And the Lord came on in and spoke to Jeremiah and said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. And I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. You were created to be bigger than the circumstance that's attempting to hold you down. And you may not be in a storm right now. But remember it, you're either in it, you just left one, or you're about to enter one. And you're going to remember my voice. Whereas you're going to get up. Oh, my mirror. Uh, I was created. Uh, I, was, I was created. And you're going to hear my voice. Speak up. I was created. Smile. I was created. Real smile. I was created. Come on. To endure. To win. To advance. To grow. We're not going to finish this message because it's already been preached. Let's go. Jeremiah 6, 1, 6. Oh, sovereign Lord. I said, I can't speak for you. I am too young. The Lord replied, don't say I am too young. (laughs) That's comical to me. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. I love that's one of my life verses right there. Don't, don't, Don't just read the Bible casually. This is the word of God, an errant word of God given to God through man inspired by God through man. And he says this here, don't be afraid. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I've put my words in your mouth. Second point says this, God doesn't use the perfect. He uses the available. We just had a vision night with our HL kids team. And uh, there was a superhero there who, um, the question was asked, what was your first impression of Highlight Church on social media? And uh, I got an answer from another kid's team member. She was here in the 915 service, and I played around with her. But she only had one thing that I didn't like. She said, said, y'all look young. And that was it. Just, y'all look young. I'm like, could you elaborate a little bit? I mean... (laughs) Kind of offensive. <laughs> and so I asked somebody else. <laughs> and this person, man, they knocked it out the park. They told me what I wanted to hear. And he said, um, man, it was awesome and it was amazing. And we couldn't wait to visit the church. And he said, it's almost like Chris got paid 
$100,000 to do everything social media. And I'm like, I said, man, Chris has been working for me for about five years, honestly, and I haven't paid him a dime yet. I said, there was a season in our church's history where we had $4,000 in the checking account, and I was about to spend $3,000 on a plug-and-play website kind of layout thing. And he came to me. He said, Pastor, don't do it. Like, let me build it from the ground up. I've never built a website ever from the ground up, but let me do it. It'll cost us 600 bucks. So I let him free, and about two or three weeks later, he came back with an amazing product. The fact of the matter is, is that Chris is not perfect. He has an amazing story. His heart is always excellence, but I think even the more than excellence in the product that you see on social media, he made himself available. And because of it, as a result, hundreds of people have been saved. Many have been baptized. Many lives have been changed. And, um, And so a lot of times the people that my preaching or my podcast can't reach, there's a picture on social media or image or video that draws people to Jesus, and they come and they check out the church. He's just always made himself available. Perfection is to be without flaw to be without fault. It leaves no room for God. I am too young. Don't say that you are too young. Do you, you, what, what do you think you need in order to serve me? You think you need an education? Do you think you need a connection? Do you think you need to be taller? Do you think you need to be shorter? Do you think you need to be a church kid? Do you think you need to know me? What, what do you think you need? Like it, Perfection leaves no room for God. No room for God. To be available means to be free and ready to do something. It means to be present for immediate use. And when you're available in your heart and in your mind and in your life, when you become available to God, it gives room for God to move. It gives room for adjustment, room for growth. It gives room for improvement. So instead of saying, God, where are you? When you're in Babylon, instead of saying, God, where are you? Watch this paradigm shift. Watch this mind shift. We need to start saying, God, here am I. Use me. Isn't isn't that like, like, think about that. Like, God, where are you? The babies are being killed. The money is going out. This person isn't treating me right. My friends left me. This and this and this and this. You remember last week, the mind, the mind, the worries, controlling things that you can't control. You remember last week. And so what you got to begin to do when you're in Babylon is you have to begin to say, I'm available. It takes the focus off of you, off of your issues, off of your problems. And you're just, Lord, I worship you. Yeah, I've made some mistakes. Yes, I'm broken. Yes, I'm sick. Yes, I'm imperfect. Yes, I have a story. Yes, I have some dirt. Yes, I've told some lies. Yes, I've slept around. Yes, I've done this. Yes, I've done that. Yes, maybe all of the things that I have done have caused me to be in this situation. Maybe those financial decisions or that discussion or that relationship, whatever, has caused me to be in Babylon. But right now, Lord, I am available. I'm available. He said, I'm too young. Don't say you're too young. I can't talk. Don't say you can't talk. I just need you to be available. This is something I personally bear witness to as a pastor of a church that I know is busting through the seams, and it's about to get real crazy, especially in the next few years. I go back to all the time, Lord, man, like, I'm not qualified. I, I, haven't, I don't have a degree. I don't have this. Like, and God's like, that hasn't changed the fact that I'm still going to use you. Yeah. I just need you to wake up every morning and say yes to Jesus. Yeah. I need you to wake up every morning and say yes to love. Yeah. Yes to faith. Yeah. Yes to possibility. Yes to the word. Yes to community. I just need you to wake up and be available for what I want to do in and through your life. I'm available. I'm available. It it, it changes it. It changes it. Changes it. That that weight of, Lord, how am I going to pray for people when I'm struggling? I just need you to be available. 
need you to be available on the campus, available in your workplace. I need you to take a step of faith and be bold and take, a, take your big old Bible to work and put it on your desk. Put it on your counter and, and just read it and, and watch what I do through your life. Watch the lives I'll change. Watch how I'll promote you. Watch how I will bless you. Watch how I will prosper you. I just need you to be available, Jeremiah. There's so many lost people. Are you available? Are you available? Teenager, are you available? Mom, are you available? Dad, are you available? I just need you to be available. I'm not perfect, but I'm available. Noah was a drunk. The world was heading to hell in a handbasket. The world was heading to hell with gasoline draws on. But Noah, who struggled with drunkenness, you need to read it. Genesis 6, God said, the sin of man has, I'm I'm done with man. I am, I'm done with mankind. I am so done. He said, my spirit will not last long with man. And it's when he took the, the maximum age of man from hundreds of years to 120 years old. Check the Guinea's World Book of Records. The oldest person that's ever lived, to our knowledge, is about 119. Because in Genesis 6, God minimized the age of man to 120. And so God was skimming the world. He was skimming the earth. And he found a man who struggled with drunkenness. He found a man. His name was Noah. And Noah became available. And what did Noah do? Noah was not perfect, but Noah had the right heart. And he built an ark, and he saved the world. Are you available? It's time to get off this excuse. A lot of us, we've been coming to church for a year, two years now. You're no longer a baby. You don't need anyone to sit you down and read this Bible to you. You can start taking this thing, opening it up. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters uh, rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. You know what that tells me? I don't need anyone to walk me through that. I'm a, you know what that tells me? Be available to Jesus and I'll never lose. That's the revelation. Follow Christ. Love the Lord. Serve the city. I love it. We sent out superheroes yesterday to paint. And, and, and we got 13 more rooms to go in the BAK Center. The $1,000 that you all gave last week to this middle school, there's a woman who is addicted to heroin in this school, and you were able to feed three of their children because of a heroin addiction. We were able to help bury a staff member who died at this school. The money's that you're sending to FSI is changing the world. But I need you to go beyond that. I need you to serve like Christ. We got, we got a city to change. Well, Lord, I ain't growing, and I'm down, and I'm worried, and I'm weary, and I'm tired, and I'm going to... Are you available? Oh, Pastor, I'd love to know. How could I bless you? How could I help you? Well, FSI, mentorship program kicking off here in about three or four weeks. If you signed up for that, we'll be reaching out. You can sign up for that. There are uh, about uh, 40 boys here that need men in their lives. Um, We've got about 30 young girls in here who need women in their lives, who are hurt, who are imperfect, and who do struggle. We need you to be available. I'm only 17, but you're called to the nations. Are you available? Can God get a little time outside of Sunday in a light group? Are you available? Are you available, Lord? We didn't move here to play church. We moved here to, to, to say, God, we're available. And this is what I've come to find out if you're still taking notes. The more available you make yourself to Jesus, the less fearful you are in life. The less fearful you are. Unless you care about what people think. Unless you care about losing everything, and it just frees you to serve. 
And it frees you to be excellent on the job. And it frees you to study hard. And it frees you to grow. And it frees you to advance. And it frees you to prosper. The more available you are to Jesus, the less fearful you are in life. It frees you. It frees you. It frees you. Jesus, what are you calling me to? Jesus, what do you have for me? Jesus, where are you calling me to go? Jesus, who are you calling me to serve? Jesus, what major are you calling me to choose? Jesus, how do you want to get your glory out in the world? I am ready. I am free. I am available. The more available you make yourself to Jesus, the less fear you deal with in your life. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise right now. We won't be fearful. We will not be fearful. I'm available. Come close me out. Moses was a murderer. He was available. Jeremiah 1.10 says this. Let's pull it up. It says, today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms, so you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow Others you must build up and plant. Last point, then we're going home. There's an assignment on your life. There's an assignment on your life. Desmond Doss, a combat medic in World War II, was a devout follower of Jesus Christ. And he vowed to never carry his firearm onto the battlefield. And uh, he was ostracized, beaten, and taken to trial. But for somehow, some reason, he gained entrance into the military. In 1945, on Okinawa and Hexall Ridge, this cliff that they were on in a battle against Japanese soldiers, May 1945, uh, the Japanese troops began to, att- uh, to attack the U.S. soldiers. And the U.S. ordered the soldiers to retreat to safety. Das disobeyed the orders to save lives. And so, I mean, you got bullets flying and grenades and flashbangs and just it's crazy, you know, this person getting shot. Even Das himself got shot. And he stayed and he pressed in. I mean, it's, it's similar to Jeremiah. You know, kids are getting kidnapped and women are being raped and being taken away from their nation to go to a nation far away and it's like Jeremiah seeing his nation torn down and God is like I've called you I know it's crazy but I've called you and so Das is in the middle of all the bullets and the ricocheting and all this and he saves one soldier brings that person to the cliff puts them on a harness lets them down to the bottom while bullets are still flying he goes back in gets a second one he goes back in and gets a third one and he begins to pray this prayer He says this, he says, please, Lord, help me get one more. And within about two hours, Das had saved 75 soldiers that day, and a handful of them were Japanese. He even saved the enemy camp. And he received the Medal of Honor, the highest award for an act of valor. There was an assignment on his life. And he didn't allow Babylon, the mess and the imperfection and the brokenness and the crap to keep him from fulfilling his assignment. (laughs) Yes, God, I'm hurt. Yes, there is pain. Yes, I am broken. Yes, I am imperfect. But people need me. None of it makes sense, but people need me. Lord, I will no longer be selfish. People need me. There's an assignment on your life. Put it like this, right? If you're taking notes, I want to give you this. I am the solution to lots of problems. There's an assignment on your life. Mom, there's an assignment. 
your kids don't know anything about your bank account or about what that guy did to you or what he didn't do or that situation. They just know that they have a mom that they have to depend on. There's an assignment to raise up world changers. Dad, there's an assignment to be present, to love, to listen, to spend time. Student, there's an assignment. Make those A's, make those grades. Change the world. Employer, there's an assignment. Love your people, treat them good. Honor the Lord in all that you do, for your inheritance comes from him. There's an assignment, there's an assignment, there's an assignment. God didn't just give us breath to sit here. There's an assignment, there's an assignment, there's an assignment. We can clap that up, Memo. Now with every head bowed, let's pray. Father, we love you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. Jesus, I just want to pray, Lord, that you would help us to beat the day. That we would take a look in the mirror, Lord, and we would know that we are the best person for the situation. That you would help us to become more available to you, Jesus. That you would remind us that there is an assignment. There is something we have to share. There is encouragement that we have to give. We are valuable. We are important. And Jesus, you do want to use us. In our homes, in our workplaces, in our city, there is an assignment on our lives. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord, with every believer praying, I'd like to extend this invitation to you. God loves you. Every sin has been forgiven. And he wants to do a new thing in your life. If you've wrestled with faith, today God is saying, open your heart. Let me in. God is saying, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's wombs. And I've called you to something great. If you want to come to the Lord today, on the count of three, every saint praying, this is a very important moment. This is the most important moment of our service. On the count of three, you just raise your hand. We're going to pray with you as a church. You're coming to Jesus. One, two, three. Come into Christ. Come into Christ. Come into Christ. Come into Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.